Hello, lovely, aspiring lifestyle entrepreneurs, and welcome to today's show, where I got to interview Jo Moorcroft. She's a dog behaviorist with her own very successful business who shares all the nitty-gritty details about building that business, her regrets, and where she's at now. So in this episode, I'm going to share with you how she found the business idea, how she pivoted from a corporate career the timeline that it took her to build that business and how much revenue she's actually making. We also talk about the difference between a fellow competitor who's been doing it for 14 years and what she's managed to achieve in just three years. What is that difference? And most importantly, we talk all about working through challenging times like COVID, which is when Jo actually started her business, and the unwavering faith that you have to have in your own ability as an entrepreneur. So I can't wait to hear on socials what you've learned from this journey and how it's inspiring you to keep going with your business idea. Thank you so much for joining me on the Lifestyle Entrepreneur Show. Hi, thank you for having me. Set the scene. So tell us your story. So you now have a successful business, but it wasn't always that way. So tell us how how you first started out. Yeah, so I started out in a corporate lifestyle. I did about 15 years in ad agency world. So I got quite senior. I was an account director earning decent money, company car, although it was averaging between 70 and 80 hours a week. So it was quite intense, but it's all I'd ever known. I was doing it since I was 17. I think when I was 18, I was already managing a team of my age now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, a team of people. And it's just what I'd always known. So I didn't really question it. It gave me a lifestyle that I wanted, which at the time was just, I think your typical Friday nights out, Saturday nights out, drinking, coming back home. Um, And then it was just a nice, me and my then partner, just us hanging out alongside work, really. It seems so much simpler, doesn't it, when you look back on those days when you had, you know, no commitments, no responsibilities. Absolutely. But but you're right, you can throw so much of your time and energy into work. Yeah. And, you know, you obviously were on a career ladder, you were enjoying it, you were putting the hours in, but you were, you know, building up a career. And I'm guessing that felt like the right thing for you to do. That felt like your life's purpose, your identity. Yeah, exactly. I think as soon as I'd fallen into ad agency realm, I, I'm the type of person that really enjoys the, um, oh, how would you describe it? Like I need the pressure. I thrive off of pressure. And in that world, my goodness, that, that is literally all you get. It's like, right, you've got a deadline. You've got to get this poster out. This client wants this and it's go, go, go. So whilst it's challenging, it definitely suited my personality style. So what changed? (laughs) So weirdly, well, I say weirdly, possibly quite normally. So my Husband, who was not my husband at the time, um, we had bought our first house together. So I, well, I had my own flat when we first met and then he moved in with me and then we wanted to buy our first property together. And I really wanted to keep that flat, but finances at the time just meant we couldn't do that. So I ended up selling it and we bought our house together and then we got our first dog. So I'd never grown up with animals, but I was always quite an animal lover. I was definitely the black sheep of my family, but we got a dog, we got a husky and everybody around me was like, what are you doing? Why are you getting a husky? That's not a pet dog. They're not going to love you. They need all this stuff. They're stubborn. And again, my personality type kind of went, um, I'm going to do it anyway. I like the challenge. I will show you that I can do this. 
and getting her completely changed my life because I suppose it's something to care for I suppose it, again it's quite common isn't it? it's like you kind of go down a pet route possibly before children and all of that um, and we didn't even know if we wanted children at, at that time so yeah we we got our little Leica and she's actually 10 this year so it's like a 10-year anniversary of when things started to change for me. I know what you're saying is as a dog person a husky is a serious investment of time and energy, but it sounds like you were like, I know I'm going to prove you wrong. And this seems to be a common theme throughout your story. <laughs> so, but you were enjoying your job. What what changed in terms of your career and in ch- that made you want to create a business? In all honesty, I, I don't think there's an easy, straightforward answer to that question. It's one of those things where I I don't think I ever fell out of love with that job. I, I did really enjoy it. I enjoyed the the feeling it gave me when I walked in. I felt like I'd climbed that ladder within that industry and people knew who I was. And it was quite, it's a bit of an ego boost, really. It was quite nice to go, oh, yes, look, little old me. <laughs> um, and, and look what I've managed to achieve. But um, when we had Leica, we were doing some training sessions with her. And I just really enjoyed the training side of of working with her. So I it, it was just a passion it, and I just was really interested in it. So I started looking into uh, dog training a little bit more just for me and her really. And that kind of grew into a passion alongside the corporate job. And then I started meeting people who were actually doing dog training for a living and it just lit another fire up inside of me. But the the fire for the corporate world hadn't hadn't gone out I kind of had two flames burning at the same time Mm. oh wow so a bit of a conflict so it lit a fire inside you basically that said I'm really interested in this but I'm still I'm still this person this is my identity so did it become a side hustle first of all for you how did you how did you juggle that with work yeah absolutely it was a side hustle so I started attending some seminars some day seminars and and things like that started doing some reading and I then started to offer ad hoc oh I might be able to help you with your dog just because I'm learning some stuff alongside so I started shoehorning it into some evening and weekends work which was challenging because again this this particular job was like a 70 hour average week so I would almost try and leave work at six which was really really hard in that industry it's really difficult to leave bang on time and I would then nip out go and do an appointment and either go back to the office or go back home and end up working till midnight or something so I just started to incorporate it into my life and at what point did you decide that you were going to go all in and full time what was it I think I dabbled with it for about 12 to 18 months and then I thought do you know what I really want to make something of this my husband and I we we got married and then I think two months later we found out we were pregnant and I was like oh what are we going to do here <laughs> what's going to happen now and the dog business was was definitely growing I was starting to get a name for myself but then we had the unfortunate experience of having a miscarriage and that particular experience just made me realize that I don't want this this lifestyle anymore. I don't want to have to be around all the corporate side of it. So feeling like I needed to be with somebody or rather I needed that validation from a boss or 
a, a company to tell me what I needed to do and when I wanted to do it. And I suppose the mindset started to change at the thought of becoming a parent at that point, that staying in that particular role, I don't know how I would ever manage to be a parent if I had remained in that. And don't get me wrong, there are definitely people in that position that do do that. And there was plenty of people in the companies that that I worked in that that do do that. But for me, I was like, I I always had this idea that if I was ever going to become a parent, I would ideally like the first five years off. And I don't know where that that thought came from. I think it was kind of like ingrained in me from my mum always saying, I had the first five years off with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it kind of took a turning point from there. And that was, so when was that? So I ended up having a DNC on Christmas Eve. That was fun. <laughs> and then in the following February, we found out we was pregnant again. And that's when I handed my notice in. That's really empowering, especially for our listener, because what you're saying is I'd planned and made the decision, but you had already got something set up to work. You just needed to take that decision, make that committed decision, take back control. But you'd established that beforehand. And I see it so often that as parents, we don't realize we need the time. We want the time. We want to be there in those early years. We don't realize until it's too late, because like you say, you're then stuck in a pattern of you have a job. You don't have time to build a business and energy because you now have a baby and then you're committed to go back to that job because that's the lifestyle you've become accustomed to or that's what the profession demands. One of the things I found was with my son is you can't get part-time work in certain professions. It doesn't exist. They don't yeah. want you. It's It won't work for us. Now, the reality is I know people who work part-time who give in 120% of effort and time. So companies do need to look at that. But on the flip side, you as an individual, if you can plan in advance and have these sorts of things set up, I mean, what would you say to somebody who hasn't yet got a child but is thinking, I would like to have children, what would you say they need to do to enable them to have a few years off with their child when they have one? Yeah, it's a great question. I I honestly think none of us spend enough time actually mapping out the life that we want. I think a lot of us, through society are almost it's kind of like it's hardwired in us to go oh this is the trajectory of life you do school college university job marriage kids maybe not the marriage but it, it's that typical trajectory I, I don't think anybody would would question that and it's like well great what what do you then do then when when you have got kids or even if you don't want kids it's like well what what do you want life to look like and it's certainly something that we do in our strategy sessions with pet professionals that we start to ask them, what, what do you actually want? How do you want your life to look like really start to think about it? And for me, I knew that we wanted to parent very differently to the air quote norm. So we started mapping out what that lifestyle would have to look like. And then we started setting goals in to achieve it. But I think it's impossible to even consider starting a business or leaving a corporate job or whatever your current situation is, it's impossible to to even think about the the actual strategic steps if you haven't got the the vision and that imagination to see what your life could look like. That's yeah, that's a very valuable and that's gold. You know, map out your dream life. What does it look like? And then take yeah. steps to achieve that versus, as you say, being passive, just going with the flow not mm -hmm. creating or taking control. That's a really valuable lesson that you've got there. 
Thank you so much for sharing. Very so well. at some point you you went full time. You must have. Um, so am I right in saying you're pregnant at this point and you're you've got paying clients? Yes, although the business model, or excuse me, it wasn't the best at the time. <laughs> it was very much a an ad hoc. Let's just go and get if anybody needs a help, kind of like a pay by the hour yeah. type of approach. But it was enough to kind of just keep us ticking. But it was a huge drop from where I was. So I think my salary was, I think it was just below the 60K mark. So it was a decent salary. And I'd lost the company car. So then I had the investment of having to go and buy a car. And yeah, that that kind of guaranteed nice chunky couple of grand a month had disappeared. Yeah, challenging times. But how do you how do you, I mean I've got loads of questions but I guess the the biggest one is the logistics of being pregnant and doing dog training and knowing that you can continue that on when you have a newborn but still take time off how how did you how did you plan on on doing that so again I did everything wrong <laughs> I did the let's let's wing it a little bit I kind of I knew the the end goal and I did the visionary bit but then I didn't necessarily do the next step which was the the mapping it out exactly and I was very much a case of, right, <clears throat> I knew we needed to get some money in. So we were like, right, let's just go and make this happen. So I just invested a lot of time in making sure that I was bringing that money in. I was toying and testing. I've always liked to test in my business, like what what's working? What do people want? How can we make sure that we're giving good value to everybody? And ultimately, the dogs are getting the, the service that they deserve. So at one point, I think I ended up with five dogs in my home alongside my two. And I was doing some board and train type stuff, which again, hindsight, I, I don't overly like that approach now, but <laughs> that that was the thing that we did. And I was I was just living day to day with, was actually having a house renovation as well. So we had the builders here. I was just sat in the garden, getting more and more heavily pregnant with all these dogs around me just doing some work and just literally playing it by ear. How long have you, how long has this been, Jo? So it was 2019, my son was okay. born in the COVID October. Yep. Yeah. So wow. October 2019, Clay was born. And then I think it was March 2020, COVID hit. And we were all told as a profession, if you are seen or reported working, you will not be allowed to work again. And we were like, oh, <laughs> well, this is fun. I've now got a newborn and a house renovation that wasn't finished. I had to move in with my my mom actually for eight weeks because we had no windows on our house. So as soon as Clay was born, I had to move in with her and my husband had to stay in our house because we had the dogs. So he didn't really get to see Clay for the first eight weeks of his life. And then I moved back home because I was like, I can't do this. I need to be at home. And then it was just pretty much me and Clay for the next however long COVID went on for, I can't even remember now. It was all <laughs> in and out of everything. But that was, I, I decided to just take a step back at that point and just relax into it and try and not stress and just do what I can. So I did some online things. Oh, okay. So one of the things I was going to ask then is is what most people were thinking, which was, how did you not think you needed to go and get a job or, or do something? Because for most people, that urgency to replace their salary, to earn an income, becomes the dominant stressor in your life is it that you because you're in a relationship you manage to juggle combine your incomes and, and basically make it work 
or or did you have that stress that financial stress and pressure of having to go online and try and get your clients to go online with you there was definitely a stress there um there was it was helpful having husband on board because he had a paying job however the the renovation and the challenge we took on with the house we now live in i mean I still don't know how we pay our bills, to be completely honest with you, because they are obscene, the amount that goes out on the mortgage and all the, the loans and stuff that we had to have. And in all honesty, I I never remember feeling incredibly stressed about it. I think because I knew in my core that it would all be fine and I had mapped it all out. And I appreciate this sounds very woo at the time. I I. I wasn't a woo person. <laughs> um, it was just, I knew that this would work and I knew I had to do something. So at that time, and we're t- probably heading toward the probably middle of, t- of 2020, I invested, I think it was about eight grand, which I didn't have. I'd got it on a credit card. And I invested that into a business mastermind. And I was like, right, this has to work. I need the support. I need the help to do this. And then having that support network around me was invaluable. I don't think I would be where I am today if I didn't make that decision to invest more money that we didn't have, but in the right way. I mean, it's, it's a great point, masterminds. I run them, the, the accountability, the the getting you in the zone, the getting you with those people. But I don't really want to go into that. What I'm more interested in is you said you felt that it was it was all mapped out. It was going to work out. You had faith in it. You talk about the woo. Um, I want to talk about, so people either take things as a sign to give up yeah, and, and, you know, failure hits us or a bump in the road. And you're like, no, this is a sign. I need to go back to the safety and security of my previous life, my previous existence, the things I used to do, or they take these things as uh, no, I still need to carry on. How did you, you know, you've got a house renovation, you've got a baby, you, COVID hit and told you you weren't allowed to work. How did you know that in where, where did you get that feeling of certainty from in a world that's probably telling you what you're doing is a, is the wrong decision? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think I have always been the type of person that will go, if you tell me I can't do something, I will do the absolute opposite and show you that I can. And that's just ingrained in my personality but it is so difficult when you are surrounded by so much negativity and at that time it was horrendous so I made the decision to actually come off of social media at that point I stopped watching the news and actually I have not watched the news in four years now I just refuse to do it because for me I don't I don't need that negativity in my life I think there are definitely negative people out there and sometimes they're your family (laughs) and I've definitely had that in my family the amount of stick or whatever phrase people want to use I got from my family when I said I was quitting my job to go and essentially play with dogs they were like are you crazy like what is wrong with you I was like what do you mean what's wrong with me like (laughs) how is how is this a bad thing but you're leaving security, you're leaving stability, you're leaving safety, you're leaving that guaranteed income. I'm like, but I now have that opportunity to find more income. I'm not capped and I'm already doing 70 hours a week. So what, and I'm capped. So actually I'm working for lower than minimum wage. 
for the salary that I was on, for the hours I was doing. So none of it made sense to me. And holding those beliefs, like you say, to your in, in your core, and when you've mapped out that life and you know in your heart of hearts that that is what you want, nothing will stop you from getting that. Mm. Mm. I love that. I do love the determination. You touched on some practical ones, disconnecting from the negative news, disconnecting from the social media. Um, a lot of people have done this and found it very empowering because mm. instead of that circle of in, that influence from the outside changing your perception of what's possible in the world, you're instead taking back control and your circle of influence and control is pushing outward. It's a it's a, a very good theory that's been practiced a lot. That thing you talked about, about negative people, I've often found that that negative perception that they put on you is is just really to validate their own decisions in life if you go ahead and do something and make it work and it's better and it has more time freedom and it has all the things that they don't stand for then you're showing them what they could have done but didn't so we like to think that there's limits on us we like to think that you can't do something and that that's wrong because it validates our own decision making it lets us off the hook when we don't take control and and yeah. create our life of freedom thank you so much for sharing that okay so joe you've been doing it nearly four years now you know full on with the whole since covid thing getting stuck in tell us about at what point you have basically you you know you replaced your salary and you felt like it's starting to see the rewards for all that work and effort and the negativity that people were putting on when did you start to see the rewards and know this was working you've got a system a strategy working your business I would say so when clay was about six months maybe I really knuckled down and was going right I what can I do now to make this happen it was kind of that that time when you're in and out of those lockdown phases like oh you're allowed to go out and then like a week later you're shut back down again (laughs) um so it it was an interesting time but I again, I just held strong with those beliefs of like, nope, this is fine. It's, it's absolutely going to, going to work and just kept doing what I was doing then. So that was year one. So year one, I actually made a profit, which I was quite chuffed with. It didn't by any means replace my salary, but I didn't tank as a year one fully established self-employed business. It was, that was no longer a side hustle. And then year two, I think I profited at 35k-ish. So I was like, again, I'm I'm pretty chuffed with that. And then year three, we shot up to like 70-odd K and I had to go limited company because we did 87 and a half thousand in a 12-month period. That's absolutely fantastic progress in the first three years. And thank you for sharing the numbers because I believe there are many people sat at home that are beating themselves up that they're not at this you know, you go to these events and it's, are you in the six figure market? Are you in the seven? Are you in the eight? And it what I've noticed is it serves to make people feel inadequate because they're still growing because they're in this phase where there's just them, they're a solopreneur doing it. Mm-hmm. And thank you very much for sharing those because what it does is it shows people actually those figures from a freedom business that you're designing that fits around your life, that's based on your passion. That's pretty impressive. And one of the things I always think people forget about net profit is you're taking into account car expenses. You can take into account all sorts of expenses on a business account that you don't when you're employed because you actually, I mean, in your case, you had a company car, but in many people's case, they're paying for their own transport. They're paying for their own vehicle. They're paying for their own expenses, their dress, you know, the, the stationery, anything that they're taking and needing to, to 
enable them to do that job. Whereas as a business, you know, a lot of those is wrapped up as your business costs. So when you take your net profit, actually, you've not got much to take off it other than your personal stuff that you're spending. So it's a, it's a very different perception for looking at it. So you've now changed your business model, haven't you? You were doing a lot of one-to-one with, with working with the dogs, but, but you've, dis- you've evolved your business. And this is another thing that people are unsure about doing. I, do I change my target market? Do I change my niche? I'm really scared to do it. What can you tell us about how you've changed your business model and what you're now launching? It's really exciting. Oh, I love all of this bit. This, this to me is the exciting bit. And I think this is what every solopreneur, entrepreneur, whatever you want to call them. Um, I'm trying to coin a dogpreneur at the moment. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you're, you're, as you keep growing and evolving, your business will keep changing as well. So when I look back on some of those early services that I offered, I'm mortified at them now, but at the time they served a purpose and I learned from it. So we grew it and we grew it. And then I was like, right, that model doesn't feel right anymore I feel like my knowledge has grown certainly around understanding dogs and the psychology of dogs so I was like well let's now create a service that aligns more with my new knowledge so we stopped offering ad hoc pay-as-you-go sessions and we started to create little mini programs so still very much one-to-one and a time exchange for money but it started to work really well so I was like okay this works and then I'm going to change it again (laughs) So let's now see if we, if I like the idea of doing classes, because there was a high demand for it. And I was like, I'm not a huge fan of them, but I was like, I'll try it and I'll see if I can put my personal spin on it. So I tried that and we did that for three to six months and it didn't float my boat at all. I didn't enjoy it. Um, I felt like I was attracting the wrong people. So that test for me, again, it was a test. It was just a fun little experiment to go let's just see what happens and then we'll we'll change it again but there were elements of that that class that I did enjoy so then I decided to create a hybrid version of one of my mini programs but it included a group session but only with people that we were already working with so technically I'd already done because my my process meant that the people I was attracting on my one-to-one services were my perfect target market like I loved working with them so if I could get all the people I love in one room that class is going to be better than the classes I'd run from a cold perspective so then we started doing that and then we've been doing that for the last two years and that just keeps growing and now it's like a 12-month program which is unheard of in dog world they're like what it's a six-week puppy class surely that's all you ever need and I'm like well no we've got a 12-month program with us so we've now got quite a niche way of doing the thing that we're doing I was able to then, so we fell pregnant with my second son. Uh, when did we? Back end of 2020. Yes, it was all quite close together. <laughs> um, and then one of my clients that I'd been working with her for probably about 18 months with with her puppy, we just got on really well. And I was like, I need some help now because I'm pregnant again. I can't possibly take the same amount of time off like I did the first time around because the business has changed and, and grown. So she decided to come on board. She took a six-month sabbatical off of her job, and I trained her to do dog training. And she never went back to that job, and she's been with me ever since. And now my business has changed gears again, and I've started a new business. I've got two businesses now. So the my colleague who I met from a client is now pretty much running my dog training business, and I am taking a step back 
now to build a coaching business for dog professionals. That's fantastic. And you, and you can just see that evolution of you figured it out, you've built it up, you now know that skill. Now you're empowering other people to do exactly the same with their dog businesses. Yeah. I love as well, you, you talked about doing experiments, you tried something, you didn't go, you didn't say this must work or, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. You said, I'm going to try the classes. If it works for me from a cold perspective, a cold client coming into a class and doing them for a few weeks, then I'll keep doing it. But if it doesn't work, I'm going to reevaluate it. And then you flipped it on its head and, and developed a different program. And I think there are so many business owners that they put one offer out there and it flops and they go, well, it wasn't meant to be. And they they just abandon the whole business, the whole niche, their whole expertise. So I really, I really thank you for sharing the whole, do, do an experiment, do a six week project, do a project and see if it works. And if it works for you as well, you were, you were very much, do I want to work with these sorts of clients? Are mm -hmm. they as committed as I am and, and bought in? And I really liked how you said everybody else does like a six week puppy program. And you're like, no, we do 12 month program. We don't, we, indo we indoctrinate, we bring this baby up with you. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, no, not many people, everybody's sort of thinking, how can I do it faster? But what you, what, I think what you've established there is perhaps a longer term relationship with that client. Somebody's going to yeah. keep coming back perhaps years later, going to say, well, let's have a refresher. Let's keep in touch. Let's do things. So it, it does sound like you've really thought fundamentally at the heart of the service you're offering and the best possible service with the clients that are truly going to invest in it and want it yeah and, and it has been a huge challenge because and, I, and I'm sure it's the same in lots of other industries but certainly in this industry which is why this passion has now created this new project people tend to undervalue themselves and their own expertise and their own knowledge which is why and again, in dog world, you will, and I'm sure if anybody's listening who is a dog parent, dog owner, and has sought services, the average will be something like £30 an hour, maybe up to £60 an hour, or again, like your, your six-week to eight-week puppy classes. And they're all pretty low investment. And for me, I was like, the amount of investment I've spent on my knowledge, I was like, it's nearly like 50 grand just on dog knowledge. And then I'm expected to charge £30 for that. I was like, it just didn't add up to me. So I was like, no, I need to wrap it up in a value proposition to go, we are going to be here to support you. We are going to show you that way. And don't get me wrong, again, in those early days when I started increasing the fees, I was like, oh God, no one's going to pay this. No one's going to, I'm going to get all this judgment and how dare you be so air quote expensive when I can go and get somebody for 30 pounds. I'm like, but I started to get really good at going, do you know what? We're just not a good fit for each other. So that's fine. I don't want to work with you because that's going to cause more stress on me. I've been there, done that, where I chased the money and got clients in that I thought I needed just because, again, I think it's quite common when you start working for yourself that you'll just accept anything that comes in because it's money and you are a fool if you turn that down. But no, I would much rather turn it down now. Mm, I like that you gave people the language there to use. We're just not a good fit for each other. Definitely, I can see people chase, chasing the money or just feeling like I have to take it because, you know, at in the early stages, nobody's coming to you and asking to work with work with you. You've got to chase every lead down. You're not that famous, that well established that people are going, I must work with you. Yeah. And that kind of puts you in this vulnerable position of accepting anything like you say. But I guess it's it's that balancing act, isn't it, of, of what's roughly within it. Um, I certainly know I, I've done, you know, sales funnels for people and then 
reflected afterwards and think I don't know that market I had to research that market so much to be able to do that because it's not my area of expertise and then you reflect back and go actually that wasn't a good a good judgment and then you get clearer and clearer yeah from your journey Joe, you said you didn't do all the things right you said several times oh I did it the wrong way I did this what (laughs) what would you tell somebody if they were starting out now or if they'd already got going but they were wondering whether to quit what would be the biggest lessons that you could share with them I think going back to that initial idea of what do you want to do? And I think that that question is so large because I come across a lot of people that are thinking about doing a business. Um, My sister and brother-in-law are good examples of this, actually. They are both very much stuck in their jobs and they the amount of skills that they have got between them. They could be like a, a big power couple, but they're scared. The, the risk is not worth it to them. Even though they see me day in, day out doing all of this stuff and I'm there to support them, the risk is too big for them. And to me, it makes me quite sad that they would rather be, they, they've said they feel stuck in this pattern now where they're bringing money in. They've also got two young children, um, the same as my two. And they are now in a position where they're having to use early morning childcare, after school childcare, and just becoming a weekend parent. And I can see how much sadness that that brings to my sister. And it kills me that she's too scared to make a jump, even with the support next to her. So I think people have to do a lot of deep work on themselves and go, what is, what's going to be the worst case scenario for them if you stay in the situation you're in now versus what it could be? And yeah, the could be is all the unknown, but that's the exciting bit. That's the whole, you can actually do something that you really want to do. And yeah, okay, it's not easy, but there are enough people out there now that you can lean on for support. If you start decluttering your life a bit with those negative people, if you start decluttering your social media, if you start decluttering your mind of just what you're allowing to be, allowing it to be told, that's a massive step forward in the right direction I believe I think I was actually quite fortunate that my business started during COVID because I wasn't around anybody I just had myself to keep going and at that point that's what I needed Mm. so I think if you are genuinely thinking of doing something find that thing that lights you up don't don't think about the how just yet just find that thing and follow it and really ask yourself what's the true detriment to yourself and your family and your friends and your whole life if you don't make that decision? I guess I just reflected on something, you know, you talked about your family members that have got all these skills that they could use. And I find people either want to take all the skills that they've got already in the person they've become and use that experience, or they actually want to abandon that altogether and do something completely different. And I was thinking, what would be your advice? But then I'm looking at your situation and thinking, (laughs) start out as an ad manager and you learnt yourself into dog training. You just delved really deep into the training so that you could help people and then you practiced it and you practiced it and you honed your skill and I can't think that any of that is easy at the time you've got to be committed and I I believe that's part of the thing is people sort of say I want to know the outcome and I want to know if it's as easy as it looks from the outside and and the answer is it's not that easy like you said you've got to put in the work but you you've got to sort of resolve with yourself that it's worth it yeah, absolutely. My husband, I've, I've been joking with him for years now. So he is 
he is an amazing person. He has so many skills. Like he will literally throw his hand in. He has pretty much done like the two, three house renovations that we have had. He's done everything. He's learned how to do the tiling. He's learned how to do all this. And his brain is on fire with money-making ideas. So he has set up, I lose count of how many air quote businesses. I'm not even going to call it a business because it was an idea that he he dabbled with for maybe all of a month or two. And he was like, this could really work. Look, that could make loads of money. Look, this could really work. That could make loads of money. And I'm like, you're a serial idea person. You're not actually following anything through. And the reason you're not following anything through is because you haven't got that passion for it. You're doing it to chase the money. So even though the ideas are arguably decent ideas, like if if we really wanted to execute those, I was like, yeah, we'd probably be sitting on a decent amount of cash now. However, there's a reason we're not sat on that amount of cash. And it's because neither of us actually wanted to do the thing, even though it's a good idea. <laughs> I was like, if you've not got that that drive, and I've been saying this to him for years, I was like, stop coming up with all these bloody ideas and actually find something that you want to do. And now he's going off on his little journey to figure out what that is. But yeah, we, without that that passion to do it, you're you're just not going to do it because you'll naturally get really good at the things that you enjoy doing, which was for me, dog training. And at, at the time when I started it, it didn't once cross my mind that I was ever going to have a business from this. I just really enjoyed it. And I just kept going down that route. Joe, it's been fantastic talking to you. If our listeners want to find out more about dog businesses, how can they find out more about you? Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So you can search us up on social media under Canine Business Academy. And we actually have our very own podcast launching on the 31st of January. Uh, it's called Let's Talk Dog Business. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Joe, for coming and sharing so openly your business journey so far. And I'm sure we'll catch up in the future to learn about the next stage in evolution as our listeners follow, but also build their own really successful businesses. Thank you. I love it. Thank you very much. Congratulations for showing up and being one of the 8% that actually turn their dreams into reality. I appreciate you for listening and I am committed to helping you improve the quality of your life. For more resources, make sure you check out the show notes underneath. Don't forget to hit subscribe and leave me a five-star review. And remember, you are incredible. And if you dream it, you can achieve it. Hold up. 